podcast in which we seek to honor the truth of God as revealed in His Word. Hello everybody, welcome to another episode of The Dumb Will Speak. I'm Roy. And I'm Chalen. And we want to thank you for listening and going to do something a little different today. We're recording two episodes in the same day uh, so that we don't cross the streams. Ghostbusters reference. <laughs> We're going to have... A short episode of just a, you know, just another general episode, probably very short, and then we're going to record separately. We're going to post them at the same time, so you'll see two things in your feed on the same day that will be a new series on theology that we're doing. We're going to do one is, I guess, next to, I guess, along with Christology and your your hermeneutic of Scripture, your bibliology, what you think of Scripture, is uh, the, those are the three most important doctrines, I think. You have to get them right, and it's soteriology. We're going to discuss the doctrine of salvation. I'm kind of excited to start that. I really am. Uh, and we're going to kind of let it flow. Because sure. we don't we have, we haven't said this is going to be two episodes, three episodes, right. because there's a lot of ground to cover from early church history to the to the biblical definition. Sure. And, and there's just a lot of ground to cover there, and we'll never exhaust it. Well, when we when we first talked about it last week, we just said we would do we would do it as long as it took, and if we need to do other address other issues in the meantime, we'll have other episodes. Uh, we're not saying that we won't have guests on and do other things that we're planning to do, but throughout this year, this will be our probably our primary focus as far as the theology is to discuss soteriology. Because I mean, what's more important than salvation, right? Was that not sure. God's plan of redemption all along? Is that not the purpose of Scripture? To reveal who God is and, and what his plan was for humanity? Well, and you know, it's something that's touched on a lot. To Without getting it, there's so many different views on how somebody comes to salvation. Look at the different denominations. I yeah. mean, you, you you know, you have us, we're by grace through faith, and then you have baptism. And Well, you know, I don't think there's any chance that we'll cover every single denominational or, or, or hermeneutical view of salvation. It would probably be beyond our scope, but we can cover the main ones. You know, we can touch on sure. Roman Catholic theology, perhaps a little mention of Eastern Orthodox, which is a little more mystical. Then we can definitely talk about the reformers and we can talk about the different views that have splintered from that over the last few centuries. Cause wow. Reformation time is now over 500 years. Yeah, it was the 500th anniversary. It was October 31st. Yeah, in 2017, from 1517 with the 95 Thesis, which is thought of as the sort of kicking the door down and starting it. And there's no way that Luther thought when he nailed that to the door there, that was just a post to say, hey, let's have this discussion, because that's what they did back then. Um, Yes. There's no, it's almost like calling someone for debate. He was wanting us to have, he's wanting to have a debate. He was still a Catholic priest and monk at the time, uh, a teacher of theology, actually, which is interesting. They put him in the wrong job, didn't they? Yeah. Because no it job. led to such a search that he never he never stopped. You know, his background was he was meant to study law, and then that was going to be canon law, and then eventually became a monk because of some event in his life. I think it was a... Was it an, was it an accident? Was it something to do with a, a storm that he survived? And he, he prayed, uh, St. Anne or something, if you save me... Uh, I promised to serve and, and become, a, and he became a monk or something. So he, he had an interesting experience of how he became that part of the of the Roman Catholic faith to begin with, and then that just led him down a path where he was never satisfied. He never felt secure in his salvation. And I guess 
well, we said we weren't talking soteriology yet, but when when you're when you're when you're when your salvation is mostly works based, how can you feel secure? <laughs> but now we're Pop talking quiz. history, so that's that's not that's that's general. Pop quiz, you'll probably understand this, and and you'll get it because you'll know exactly where I'm coming with this. But who is the most forgotten reformer of the Luther Calvin? We just talked about today. Zwingli. Yeah. Nobody ever mentions Zwingli. He no, just kind of goes by the wayside. He's the man. redheaded stepchild. He's left out. <laughs> <laughs> he is. And, and Zwingli was one of the ones. You know, him and Luther had the big battle over um, over communion. Was uh, was it really the blood and body of Christ, or was it was it symbolic? And they were on opposite ends of the spectrum. Luther decided that he couldn't he couldn't be friends. <laughs> yeah. He, he broke, they broke, as what we say today, they broke fellowship. They broke fellowship. That. They no. did. They did. You know, um, I had, I got a book, uh, I don't know, a month or so ago, another one of those library sales where I got like a whole bag full of books for like $2 or something. And, um, at the public library and I got this book, Jalen, I got to say, Sometimes it helps to read the opposition. Sometimes it helps to read what other people think, what the secularists think. It's can a Darwin so Kenneth, Kenneth Copeland on gifts? No, it's can a Darwinian be a Christian? Really? Yeah. Who wrote it? A Darwinian. <laughs> a Darwinian. Oh, uh, a guy who's been around a long time. Because I mean, like he made the arguments about um, textbook issues in 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 public schools back in the eighties and nineties. So I mean, he's been around a while. He's always been a, or has been most of his life, a kind of a rationalist and an agnostic. But he's talking about, can you marry the two? Can can someone be a Christian and be a Darwinian? Can a Darwinian be a Christian, etc., et and still be compatible? It's, it's kind of like this whole compatibilism thing between this secular worldview of science and nature and how it's supposed to be supreme, and you've got to you know, you take these theories. It's, it's full of charts and, and graphs and interesting things you know it's it's a it's a i don't know i've read just a little of it and it's fascinating it hasn't shaken me in any way and don't get me wrong it's just one of those things where it's kind of fascinating because what was sad chalen was the ones that wrote in support of it and their names are on the on the cover and on the and in the forward area of uh, <clears throat> christian scholars who say this book is important and should be read by everyone whether christian or not and uh, how important it is. And they believe that basically all these guys were saying was, yeah, you can be a Darwinian and also be a Christian. That's, that's where, and this is not a brand new book. This book came out in the two thousands. Um, the copy I've got, I don't think was ever read. It's, it's in great shape, but yeah, it's probably a 15, 20 year old book at this point. Well, maybe not that old, but fairly old, more, definitely more than 12 years. I'd say. Would and, be an interesting read though. Yeah. It has been so far, and and uh, and but I'm again I'm bumfuzzled by the support it gets from mainline Christianity, you know, uh, across the pond well, in England and also here in the United States because there were major scholars who, that signed off on it. Who who signed off on it that would be notable? Well, if only I knew where it was. <laughs> uh, Those of you that don't know, we both. You can't see us through our video. We both sit right right now. We're at our home offices. Uh, he's in his, and we both are are essentially in our library. And there's books around. Right before we went on today, we were talking about. I, I had to grab something that we were going to talk about for um, for our soteriology episode. And 
And um, so we were trying to grab a few books to to have in front of us to know a couple of things right off the uh, you know right off the bat when we begin to discuss it. But it, it, it you kind of um, I, I don't know. We've been amazed over the years. Him and I've talked about this. The amount of um, libraries that people either a give away or sell at extremely discounted prices and it's um it's a joy me and him both love to read we love to study we we enjoy it so it, it's um and he and roy is looking for the book and has exit stage left but when you know he's right you you there are some interesting books that are written that are really antithetical to scripture and there are a lot of mainline quote unquote theologians that sign off on these books that sometimes just shock you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, and, I heard James White talking recently about that. Michael Byrd has sort of taken a left turn on a lot of social issues and stuff. And, and that's sad too, because I, you know, uh, for, for an Anglican living in Australia, I, I actually liked him. Uh, um, I know he's become really closely associated with, N.T. Wright, he did a sort of editing of a bunch of N.T. Wright's writings and co-authored a book which basically summarizes the last 30 years or so of N.T. Wright's uh, biblical studies. Well, um, the other one is, I know we've mentioned it before, but you look at Tim Keller, what Tim Keller was to what some of the stuff that comes out now. You know, there was a there was a thing this morning that you um, that you po- that not, that not that you posted, somebody posted on Twitter that you know, that somebody had said basically thank you to reading Tim Keller's book and they did not quote which one, but that made them see the LBT community as Christians and be able to see them through that light. And, I, and I, I'd like to know what book they were talking about it to read it, to know where they're getting that from, but they didn't quote a source on it. So, but it, it's like I said, there was a time when there was a lot of theologians that signed off on Tim Keller's work. And well, the other one we talked about the other day, Racing Hell by, uh, by Francis Chan, master seminary graduate, and has really gone the ecumenical route. It's a good and book. It is. It, it's one of the best books he wrote. You loaned it to me a few years ago, and I read that thing through in like maybe one day. I mean, it was a it was a quick read, but uh, it was well done. And and I was like, oh, good for him. It's a good apologetic. And it, I don't know where he would be now if he would even hold it was that book. Right after that book is when he took the left hand turn. Yeah. You know, was it Bugs Bunny always said? I took a left-hand turn at Albuquerque, Albuquerque. or a wrong turn at Albuquerque? Yeah, yeah wrong turn at Albuquerque. Albuquerque. <laughs> yeah. I can't find Three the names books. for sure off the top of my head, but one of them is, uh, is, uh, is Keith Ward. And I see Keith mm-hmm. Ward's name on books in when I'm looking through ChristianBook.com's library. Um, Professor of Divinity at Oxford. So he, now he's an Anglican. Uh, Robert Pinnock from Texas. And there's a handful of others. Now there's E.O. Wilson on here from Harvard University, but he's he's an atheist. But anyway, but although I do think he teaches in in their uh, in their religious studies class. But anyway, um, he teaches divinity. <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah, it probably does. Um, now this guy, his name is Michael Roos, and he was a professor at Florida. It's can a Darwinian be a Christian? The relationship between science and religion. And you know, he says it would be hard for a Darwinian for a true Darwinian to be a Christian, but he doesn't think it impossible. But he talks about both sides, and he doesn't really come down one way or the other. But he starts from the point of view that, okay, Darwinism is fact. It's scientific, natural fact. You must accept this. So anything beyond that is just your your faith talking. 
and you're just trying to dispute it based on your faith, uh, look at the painting he used, William Blake. Yeah. And that's a painting of God. Uh, anyway, forming the heavens and earth. Uh, interesting. Uh, on the same day that I got that, I got this one. And it's an old book, A History of the Christian Church. Oh, a thousand Church. ways to lose a woman. Cool. Where'd you find that at? <laughs> it's A History of the Christian Church by Williston Walker. This is from the Scribner Library uh, Textbooks in Religion. And, like, I have no idea, like, if this is left-wing or right-wing. I really don't know. It just it just struck me. It's It's just huge. It covers... Everything up to the mid twentieth century, so I'm I'm curious. I have not I have not cracked this book yet, but I just thought I'd show it to you. Hmm. Um. And we keep continuing to read our books as the world burns around. <laughs> Absolutely. Hey, we're now in beginning. This is phase two. We're going to be beginning at what? At what date was it? February twenty third, twenty second, or twenty third that he invaded. That Putin's forces invaded, um, it was, I thought it was February 20-something. Anyway, they invaded Ukraine. Well, now, as we record this, it's the 25th of March, so we're at a month in. And you know, there was a a published account of his war plan that he and the generals came up with that was was leaked a couple weeks before the invasion even began that said, should should ground force invasions begin, Ukraine... That one of the things that they were going to look at as a, as a standard of their war was early deployment of nuke, of nukes, early deployment. Yeah, that's been on the table, and we're already a month in. So how how long is that before he decides to use one to get get the world's uh, attention? I don't see see they've got a they've got a view of it that they've got this plan that that some of their lower level nuclear weapons can be used, and they think it will only affect a few square miles. As far oh, as fallout. Yeah. So targeted strategic use of a nuclear weapon would bring a country to its heels, but would not affect the whole world's ecology, environment, in other words. I don't know that they know they can actually do that. <laughs> Look, I, I'm, you know, I asked this question. I may have asked this last time that we, we talked a little bit, too. One of the things I wondered at looking at this and watching it, is it is it a big game of cat and mouse? Is he almost just not showing his complete hand as he invades. And then if somebody else gets involved, it becomes World War III. So he's strategically holding back the use of his military to its fullest extent until he sees if other people are going to get involved in the conflagration. Then if it does, you know. Well, I know this week, earlier this week, um, the president of Ukraine said it was time for them to have a talk, him and and Putin have a talk, that he'd been trying to set these – he claims he's been trying to set these meetings up for almost two years, that they needed to have serious talks – if they went well, good. That meant Russia would leave and everything would be back. But it's important that they have autonomy and maintain their statehood. His government stays intact as long as the people want him there until they until until they have another election and he's voted out or voted in, whatever. That's what he wants. He wants to keep a democrat a form of democratic government in Ukraine and that they have their autonomy. To him, that's the only solution. Ukraine just needs to be left alone. They didn't do anything to cause this, and they want to be left alone. I don't think Putin's going to do that. No one thinks Putin's no. going to do that. I don't think he thinks that. But his his caveat to that was, but if this can't if an if agreement can't be reached, the rest of Europe and the world should prepare for World War Three, because they're not going to surrender, and they believe they believe that Putin will fully assault them, including nuclear weapons. I mean, they're living under that fear. They really believe it's going to happen, and 
you know, and, and it may. I don't know. Well, and also but, look at uh, Bel- Belarus is now. You know, looks like they seem to be going to join against Ukraine with Russia, and yeah, I don't know. I I, I don't know. It's it, it's, and then here you and I talked about. You know, Biden released a thing the other day now about the few food shortages will be real because of the sanctions. Yeah. You know, we're just back in scare tactics mode yeah. again. Well, and, we look uh, like we're going to wind up eventually, I, I think. I've not heard anybody say this yet as an actual policy, but we, we, me, we may wind very well wind up in rationing like it was in World War II. And America of today is not the America of World War II. The citizens of America no. today are not prepared for that. They like to have everything they want, when they want it, where they want it, whenever and wherever they want it. Everything well, is on demand. Yes, yes and yeah, I, I, I am convinced you guys are just trying to make a dispensational premillennialist out of me is what I'm <laughs> convinced of is what you are trying to do as opposed to the amillennialism. I think you are just trying to... Uh, trying to get me over and uh and uh could happen it well did i tell you what my wife said about that the other day no what we were talking about end times and eschatological things and we were discussing and and we were discussing where i'm at and she she looked me dead in the face and she goes uh where's john MacArthur?" i said he's a what he would call a leaky dispensation millennial she goes he's smarter than you i'm gonna hang with him (laughs) (laughs) oh you were burned by jamie you were burned by your wife yes you were yeah 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 i'm like (laughs) i I feel about an inch tall right now but (laughs) she sure enough did she said i can't believe you did that she said i can't believe you're against him i'm like well it's not that i'm against him that's just one of those doctrines that are secondary and well let me ask you this what about with um in the united states itself what about two things that happened this week? The NCAA swimming women's swimming championship was won. Where are the dads? I don't know. Uh, that's my curiosity. You well, know, I was, was I was daughters. asked the day before the swim meet occurred. You know, everybody at work likes to poke me to see what I will say about things. It's always been the way I way I am. Everybody, I'm I'm an opinionated person. Everybody knows I have an opinion on everything. Unless I just don't know at all about it, and I just say, "Well, I don't know about that." But if if I know anything about it, I probably have already formed an opinion, uh, whether that's right or not, whether that's wise or not. I don't. You, you be the judge, but yeah, they, but they you asked, have to form based on facts. I usually do. I try to. Uh, they asked me, "What would have happened in your day?" I think it was one of the pharmacists of where I work asked me, an actual woman, and she said, "She said, Roy." What would she said? We're the same age, just about, right? We went we went to school in the eighties, and I said, "Yeah." She goes, "What do you think would have happened in our day if this had happened?" I said, "He'd have been taken out and and to the woodshed. He'd have been whipped. Period. End of discussion." But also, I don't think it would have happened then. I, I you know, I grew up a generation really behind you, so I would have been kind of that age in the nineties, early two thousands. Right. You would have been late eighties, early Early nineties, that age. Yeah. It wouldn't have happened then. No. And we've come a long way, baby. And not in the, (laughs) not in a good way. That's an old, uh, Virginia Slim's cigarette ad that was aimed at women. You've come a long way, baby. Well, we've come a long way, baby, but it's not been good because I bring this up Mm -hmm. because there, it overlaps with the other issue from this week. The Supreme Court, uh, the, the the justice nomination uh, for the Supreme Court to replace Barr <laughs> by his former clerk, uh, Judge uh, Katanji Brown Jackson, 
And they had the hearings in the Senate, right? The Senate Judiciary <laughs> Committee got to question her. And um, one of the uh, – a senator from Tennessee asked a very blunt question. It's hard. It really takes a biologist. Yeah. Judge Jackson, uh, can you give – can you define – what is a woman? Now, somebody had, had – somebody posted how many times that she had used the term woman the previous they day in so. her speech. And it was like – 25 times or something like that. I may be, I may be overspeaking. It might have been 15, but it was something that ended in a five. I do know that. And it was either 15 or 25 times that she had mentioned woman, being a woman or what it's like for a woman, et cetera, et cetera. So they said, can you define a woman? And she would not give, she didn't want to answer first off. She kind of refused to answer and said, these things can be litigated and brought up to the court because these are hotly contested issues in society over the, in, and, and in litigation over the last few years, and they're probably going to come before the Supreme Court, so I'd better not. She ho-hummed around about it. But she, in her silence and in her abrogation of the logical right to just say man, male and female, because she wouldn't say that, that tells you all you really need to know. Uh, I think it was yesterday's briefing, Al Mohler mentioned this, and he says, actually, her silence tells you all you need to know about what her judicial uh, views are. See, in the previous day, she had claimed that she has no judicial. Um, what am I looking? What am I trying to say? She has no. Basically, she has no, 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 no overriding theory or standard or purpose that she follows. No judicial uh, method. That's not true. There's not a human being on the on the planet that doesn't have some kind of method by which they live by. There's a worldview that we all have. We all have. You know. Did you hear on abortions? I did, did not. You, did you hear? Uh, uh, I did I not. That one question was enough for me. That one question, when I heard well, about it, it, was like, I was like, really? I've got to tell Chadwin about this. But you probably had already I heard. heard <laughs> I heard this one. They were talking about Roe versus Wade. Oh, and okay. I heard this one first and I stopped. But what they what they were basically were talking about was, you know, what's the thought? Of, and, and they were asking her, you know, the question of what she considered that. And she said, well, I have a religious view that forms this, but I have to set that aside because it is a settled law. And I'm like, never a time does God's law get usurped by man's law. You know what she did? She took a page from uh, Amy Coney Barrett last year. Oh, previous yeah. year. Uh, Coney Barrett basically said, well, it's currently the law of the land, according to according to precedent and and Supreme Court hearing in two cases, Roe v. Wade and then the one in the 90s. I forget the name of it. And uh, which reiterated it and um, strengthened it in some ways and weakened it in others. She basically said, I guess I would have to follow that or go with the court. Her own view is she's not she's not for abortion. Now, the difference is uh, Judge Jackson's not giving us anything, right? Like, in other, in other words, with Amy Coney Barrett, everybody knows in advance that she's a married woman of with several children and also adopted children and that she has worked for uh for people that actually has went on crusades to help strengthen adoption and make it easier in America and and also has done things that involved fighting abortion laws so everybody knew in advance where she stood that she's a roman catholic and that she actually holds to the right to life and she's not part of that culture of death so everybody already knew that in advance with with Katanji Jackson Brown it's kind of bizarre because she claims to have a religious view and she claims to be some type of Christian, but she's never said what that is. No, not exactly. She's never that is a, a quote unquote background. No. Well, 
there was a meme on Twitter this week that said it showed a picture of I don't remember her name, but remember the lady that testified against um, Kavanaugh? Yeah, Brett Kavanaugh. Yeah. We must always listen to a woman. Then uh-huh. the next picture below it was Amy Cohen. Amy Cohen. Uh, sometimes we listen to a woman, and then it got to Judge Jackson, and it said, uh, "What's a woman?" <laughs> and it was just this flow of the of the meme, and I'm like, "Oh, that's pretty funny." Because, but it's sad. That's how society has went so quick. To Dude, that's awesome. You know? I mean, that's sad. No, you're right. It's sad. At the same time, it's hilarious. I was laughing my butt off here. I, I was like, I mean, but I did too. Of course, you know, I am the one that sent you. Uh, this week, I'm sorry, I cracked myself up when I sent you the. Are you talking about the wrestlers? Said, Jesus says to the lame man, "Take up your bed and walk." And then I send you a picture of Ric Flair doing. Yeah. doing <laughs> I'm little, sorry, doing, he was laughed. doing his strut, man. I may have laughed a ring. little too out loud at that. I think my response up. to you was, "Wow." Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Ric you know. Flair. I, and, and the sad thing is, you know, even though I'm not a wrestling fan, I did know who that was. There was uh, there's well, a handful of people like players. that that you know who they are. You know what I mean? It, it, just part of popular culture in the '80s and '90s, but. But, yeah, if it was somebody more modern, I wouldn't know. You know it's real, right? <laughs> no, it's theater, man. <laughs> <laughs> it's t- testosterone-fueled theater for adolescent and post-adolescent but never grew up males. I, I am such a kid of the 80s and 90s because the other day we have Peacock, and I I found out that all the old WrestleManias and the WWE stuff on there, and I was watching the old Hogan, Andre the Giant matches. Hulk Hogan, yeah. Oh, huh. I was a Hulkamaniac when I was a kid. Andre, me? Andre died a year or two ago, didn't he? No, it's been several years ago. Okay, so Andre the Giant is dead, right? I'm right about yeah, that. It's been, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, it's been several years ago. It, it was. It was. There's actually a good documentary. Wasn't he in some movies? Was he in The Princess Bride and some other stuff? He was. I thought he so. was in The Princess Bride. Yeah. Oh, he yeah. You're right. He's been dead a while. Then <laughs> negate what was, I said a while ago. He is. There was some features other than his size of his life that he was famous for uh, outside and personal pop culture that have been verified, such as his ability to consume large amounts of uh, adult beverages, very large amounts. The man, uh, you're saying was, he was a drunkard? <laughs> no, 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 no. He was, so, well, he did have an alcohol problem, but he had that tragic life, man. He had that, uh, I don't know the term for it, giantism. Yeah, or everything it, giantism, I guess, is the basic, is the colloquial yeah. term for it. Yeah, yeah he just, and, everything never stopped growing, and that's sad, really, because it's actually painful and usually lives, yeah. leads to a shortened life because the heart can't keep up. Well, if he would have lived a few more years, there's medicine now to negate it because there's, there's people now that have it to live long lives because they can take medicine that stops it. Oh, and, and they can play in the NBA. <laughs> Yeah, and you know, and, and so he just had this. You know, you think about it. We there's things that we do that he couldn't do. He couldn't sit in a normal airplane seat. Yeah. You know, he you could you imagine they went to Tokyo a lot to do uh, events and promotions. Could you imagine him getting on a plane in California and for New York and having to make that trip to Tokyo? I mean, that's got to be terrible. That many hours in a plane, and cramped up. No, there's no way he could do it. I don't. I don't know how he could do it. He did do it for where did, years. Where did he put his legs? I mean, his knees had to be up to his chin. Well, that's what I'm saying. They there were special accommodations made, you know. But but anyway, that, well, well, we are way off subject here. <laughs> but yeah, that is sad though. Uh, but you know, so those two things overlap because this Leah, whose real name is Will. 
and just what three years ago competed as a male at the same at the same stinking university in the University of Pennsylvania. Yep. You know, four hundred something in the world. It boils down to this: yes, as a male, and as a female, he he's not a female. As a woman, as woman swimmer, he's supposed to be like now he's number one, number one in the nation, won the NCAA championship. Everyone should have got up and turned their back. Oh, oh! Did you hear, did you read the article? No, I didn't. I, honestly, the, the it headline me. of the article actually said one of the the University of Penn State. Or was it Penn State or University? Of, yeah, no, it's University of Penn. No, I think it's just UPenn, University of Pennsylvania. It's UPenn. Yeah, it is. It's UPenn. And so one of the other swimmers, and I think it was anonymous, were having difficulty in the locker room um, because they said whatever. He, he's had no he's alteration. Had he's had no surgical alteration, and he no. walks around with no clothing. That's what it was. So down they're to. they're uncomfortable. No, here's the headline though, because. The swimmer will not cover up her male genitalia. Exactly. What is wrong with that statement? Oh, everything. Everything. You just And that's a, that's an article headline. <laughs> that, that is the headline of the article. You know, James White always says, yes, language changes, hence the need to update biblical translation into the English language from the Greek. Obviously, language changes over time. That's not what's happening. This is a destruction of of a of a language and of identity by destroying pronouns and their uses and it's just it's absurd oh and they have a little book aimed now at kids they have a little and of course there's an app for it as well that helps you to use pronouns so that you'll know how to not misgender someone well you know i'll never forget the the church we not where not where i'm at now but the one before um Here's a classic the, comic book reference. I want to be for here uh, from here from henceforward known the, as Batman of Zur and R. <laughs> the Shout out to Grant youth Morrison. Leader, the youth leader asked me for a solid, and um, I'd like, do you want a block of ice? Do you want? I mean, do you want solid food? What do you? And he's like, no, I'm asking you for a favor. I'm like, why didn't you say I'd like for you to do a favor? What? When? What? He said, well, no, it's a solid. I'm like, <laughs> a solid is talking about a state of a material, not. Like you want? I mean, no, that oh, you're such when, a nerd. What? And he goes, do me a solid. Go, Come on, you had to know what that meant. No, I didn't. <laughs> no, I had no earthly idea. Why didn't heaven help? We just go. Can I get you a favor? No, can you do a solid? What? I felt a little violated personally. Oh, you're killing me, Smalls. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, I think this episode has run its course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, look, here's the thing. <laughs> there's nothing. The Sandlot. Awesome. Anyway, you know, there's nothing. Did I tell you about the delivery I made where a guy was wearing that T-shirt? It was two days after you had said that to me when I did something to you. I said something snarky to you, and you said, you're killing me, Smalls. <laughs> and I went and I made a delivery. The guy came to the door, and he's wearing a T-shirt. And it's, you're killing me, Smalls, and has the character's face on there. And I'm it says get that shirt because that's an all that's a great movie. I instantly thought of you. It was literally only two days after you had said that, and I was, he was like, "You know, that's one of my favorite movies." So I was like, "Yeah, it is good." I asked my wife the other night because I said it to her. I said, "You're killing me, Smalls," and she just looked at me and I said, uh, "I said, Sandy, don't you remember the Sandlot?" And she's like, "No." I said, "We watched it together." She said, "You've made me watch so many movies," meaning I she have... doesn't like most of what I make her watch. Well, you've been around me long enough. No, I have this weird memory about. Slapstick comedy Comedies. movies. Yeah, you're a comedy freak. 
you know, you know, one, everybody makes fun of me. One of my favorite movies was the three amigos. I love that show, man. <laughs> I love the three amigos. Chevy Chase, Martin Short, and Steve Martin. <laughs> I remember one of the guys runs up and he goes, and one of the outlaws rides up. Would you say I have a plethora of pinatas? And he, he goes, and he goes, yeah, I would say you have a plethora. And he looks at him and goes, do you know what a plethora means? No. No. Why did you say I had a plethora if you didn't know what it means? I'm, I'm, but I'm the guy that's in the floor dying at this, laughing, and everybody else is like, what's so funny? Like, can you not see the humor here? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, uh well, the world has lost its sense of humor anyway. You know. I tell you though, um, but the strange overlap of those two two events this week, having nothing to do with world events such as such as the Ukraine and all the suffering there, be sure to continue. On a serious note, continue to pray for those people. But it's this um, this idea that you're ask you're ask you're actually asking a senator is actually asking a potential justice of the Supreme Court, ma'am, can you tell me what a woman is? And and it's a woman asking a woman, if I'm not mistaken, correct? That's a, that's it's a, a man asking a woman. Oh, was it a man? Was the senator a man? Yeah. I thought it was a, a woman senator. No, no, no. The man asked the, uh, I'm sorry, the man asked the question on the abortion. Sorry, I got the two questions crossed. I, you I are think the correct. Tennessee a senator is a, is, a, is a Republican yes. woman, yes. and she asks her, can you tell me, can you define a woman? And then you see the senator, just, you can see the senator say, so you can't make a, a basic distinction between male and female? She says, I'm not a biologist. What was it? Somebody on Twitter the other day said, I'm trying to figure out if I want to cook chicken or not, but I'm not a biologist, so apparently I don't know what a chicken is. That's right. <laughs> exactly. I mean... Where do you stop? Remember when... Do you remember during the hearings for the uh, sexual harassment case in which uh, President Bill Clinton was mentioned? In his affidavit, and they, they asked him the word, it define sex, and he asked, define sex. At one point, they said what something is, and he said, define is... And I used to think that was the most hideous response for a, for a, an intelligent man to say to someone in his snarky, snide, better than you response to a, in a legal proceeding. And now I realize he was the precursor to where we're at today. Define his. Yeah. You can't define anything. Everything's subjective. There's no objective truth. I promise you there's objective truth, Chalen. And you know where you can find it? The word of God. Right here. New American Standard 95, MacArthur Study Bible. <laughs> if you pin me down, I'm going to say that's, if you're going to pin me down, I'm going to say that's the best English Bible to own. <laughs> Actually, yeah, I would too. If you're going to pin me down, I would too. I mean, both of us would. I don't have a, I don't have a MacArthur Study Bible though. Well, you know, my friend Alan told me, told me a couple weeks ago, he said, um, shout out to Alan. He said, um, it was so good a few years ago when you got on board with the New American Standard. And I'm like, what? I'm like, you're the one that got me into the Holman years ago. He goes, yeah, but I didn't mean that's the one you had to stick with. He said, I just meant that's, I, f I found it an interesting Bible. He said, you know, I didn't buy that Bible. The pastor of the church at the time bought it for all the deacons and all the elders <laughs> and, and just suggested that we all read it because he was going to start preaching from that text. And he did. When I first started going to that church, that's what he was preaching from was the Holman. He said, that was why. It was so I could follow along in church. He said, no, I, I got my first New American Standard in like 2001 or 2002. I said, why didn't you tell me? I would have found the New American Standard quicker. He goes, it is the most accurate translation. 
It's like, oh, just stop. It is, and, and, it, and it reads a little wooden every now and then because of it. It's the best way I know to describe it, a little rigid. So many people say that, and I don't know why, but, I mean, after years and years of reading the King James, and then the New King James, and even sometimes reading the SV, I can honestly say I'd still rather read the New American Standard. I don't have a bit of problem with it. No, I mean, I don't find it stiff in any way. But so. that's just me. But you know what? We've we've had a little a little happy, well, strange episode, and and I hope everybody enjoys it. But you know, stick around. We're going to start again. Our, <laughs> I keep trying to segue into something serious. I don't know how to do as it because now you've got me cracked a, up. As a teaser, yes. Our, up, our next episode will be defining our terms, and we're going to define the term soteriology, so you need to stick around and listen to that. And in that episode, we'll try not to make too many pop culture references or anything like that. And coming up, just so you know, we are going to be discussing good old St. Nick, heretic slapping Arius. Santa Claus himself. Santa Claus. That's, <laughs> That's right. That is to come. Well, until next anyway, time. Off me. All right. Thanks, Jalen. God bless y'all. We'll see you later. Did we really just cover the three amigos and Andre the Giant? We actually did.